This is HR in Review, a podcast dedicated to HR thought leadership, actionable advice, and all the latest developments in human resource management. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the newest episode of our podcast, HR in Review. I'm Monica Sharma, the editor of HR Review, and if you haven't tuned in before, in this short segment, we'll be looking back at some recent standout stories, and we'll be discussing the most relevant topics linked to HR. Each week will be based around a different theme, and this week's is returning to work and how HR can navigate this. Here today, I'm joined by my guest, Kate Palmer. Kate, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, of course, Monica. Hi, everyone. Um, My name is Kate Palmer. I am the HR Advisory and Consultancy Director at an organisation called Peninsula. We're a HR, Employment Law and Health and Safety Consultancy firm. And it's good to be with you. Well, thank you so much for um, joining us today. Um, So I wanted to kick things off by talking about some research conducted by YouGov, which um, analyzed the preferences of work models moving forward. So in this research, over half of workers surveyed said that they wanted to work from home post-pandemic, 57%. Um, And of this number, a fifth said that they wanted to work from home full time, whilst over a third, 37%, wanted the flexibility to work from home on some days. So, Kate, this kind of supports the, I guess, general consensus that hybrid working is the model that most businesses are looking to adopt moving forward. But my question to you would be, how can businesses deal with the situation where the employer wants workers to return to the office, but staff don't want to? Yeah, yeah, a a tough one um, and a very common one, I would stress at this moment in time, what with the opening post or at the end of the pandemic, so to speak. But yeah, it it is a tough one. What the first thing I would say, Monica, is I've I've seen a real mix, to be quite honest, of Mm -hmm. um, appetite for homeworking, returning back to the office across our client base. We've seen a real mix and and it's not one size fits all. And I think Mm -hmm. that's the important thing to stress. Um, There are many organisations that are embracing homeworking permanently or hybrid. There are many organisations that are asking people to return. And on the latter, it can be quite difficult. I think Mm -hmm. the first thing I would say is as a business, the the staff, the workforce need to understand the why. Why are you wanting the team to return to work and Mm -hmm. return to the office? Why is that more beneficial for you as an organisation? What have you observed over the past 18 months to lead to that position? And I think that's the key starting point, an explanation to the team of Mm -hmm. why. And that in itself may persuade reluctant parties to return. Mm -hmm. If not, then it comes down to -to one-to-one conversations with those individuals. Mm -hmm. So it's really all about establishing a kind of line of communication, being clear about um, why exactly you want businesses and employees to return back to the office and then being able to communicate that to them. Absolutely. I I think, you know, there are some roles, there are some organisations, there are some industries where homeworking is just not conducive to the way forward. And, And in those circumstances, if you can provide a really objective clear succinct explanatory rationale for the return Mm -hmm. often that in itself will help um people understand your business reasons for requesting a return but communication is absolutely fundamental and key Mm -hmm. I think it's quite interesting as well because the research said that almost three quarters of respondents wanted or expect their employers to allow them to work from home after the pandemic and to give them that option so there is that kind of expectation on the employee side and 
I guess if the employers don't fulfill that, this could end up being quite a prevalent issue to navigate for HR teams moving forward. Yeah, I would definitely say so. I mean, I think people have formed um, a view or an assumption that, you know, it's worked for 18 months in their view. It, mm-hmm. it, it can work moving forward, but the employer may not see it in that way. And yeah. I think, again, it then comes back to that explanation of why, in the employer's view, it isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. And, and I suppose, importantly, from, from a legal perspective, you know, if, if an individual's contracted or contracts of employment and terms of employment are... Um, pointed towards the fact that they are based in an office Mm -hmm. there is no free for all there is no obligation for the employee to permit home working you know so right you you know it very much depends on on the position pre-pandemic as well Mm -hmm. as to whether that will be a permanent fixture moving forward so that's interesting actually so that means um, anything that's been written up into the like employees contract will then be sustained for post-pandemic most likely unless there is a explicit like change of, t- of terms of employment. Follow us on Twitter at HR Review or join us on LinkedIn and Facebook. Yeah, fundamental to any employment relationship is the contract. So, mm-hmm. you know, for any employee that's assuming because they've worked at home for the past six months or longer, maybe right. that they um, will then lead to permanent homeworking. It's not necessarily necessarily the case. So mm-hmm. one has to look back to the terms of employment. Mm-hmm. This whole situation has been so reactive, hasn't it? You know, everything's yeah. been most things have been arranged on a temporary basis. And mm-hmm. that would lead to the fact that contractually many staff are are obliged to return to the workplace. It's mm-hmm. how the employer then responds to that um, and, and what decisions they make with regards to the, the very issue. Mm-hmm. Right, that's really interesting. Um, the second part of the research from YouGov showed that a fifth of workers nationally um, and close to three in 10 in London are considering moving to a different area of the country that is not within commuting distance of their company's workplace. Kate, with employees no longer working in close proximity to offices, will this have a big impact on HR policy? Yeah, I I do think, again, it depends on the context of the role, the industry Mm -hmm. you are in and so forth. But isn't it brilliant, really, that some staff have that um, freedom to move around the country? You know, that's a real pro and could be a real motivational tool for many a business out there Mm -hmm. um, to have their workforce spread because that's what they want. And and it can be a real motivator. But for for some industries, that could be really problematic. I mean, Mm -hmm. there are other things to think about, therefore, if that does happen. Um, Supervision and really good communication with people that are working remotely um mm-hmm. what about, i mean there's lots of talk of people moving abroad you know what what yeah. if there's a time difference you know mm. um I, I know that's um probably going to be few and far between but but it could be an issue and if your yeah. core hours are a greenwich mean time nine till five and someone moves to america extreme mm. but yeah. how, how are you going to deal with that and, and there's also things around inclusivity, you know, less about HR policy as such, but mm-hmm. how do you bring the team together when people are, are remotely based and spread across the country or the world? Um, mm-hmm. that you really need to think about bringing people together, inclusivity. What if you have an on-site training day? Is that going to mm-hmm. cause a problem? How do you navigate that? So yeah. I think if, if your workforce does become extremely remote, mm-hmm. um, there's a list of things you probably need to go through to consider to ensure that you are managing it appropriately. 
Right. Yeah. I think definitely having employees spread out in different locations, especially if it's, you know, in a different country, then that could pose some serious, I guess, problems for the company culture and and just generally the, the sense of togetherness within the country definitely I was going to say belonging you, mm-hmm. you took the the an equivalent word right out of my mouth there um Monica but you know if you're th- th- this there's nothing better is there than having a team social event and mm-hmm. the, the the things that you probably think are quite menial but really important to team dynamic coming together on a Friday after work mm-hmm. having a drink going out for a meal doing a team event a training day all those things become more problem- problematic and difficult to, to navigate. And, mm-hmm. and I do personally do believe they can have a detrimental impact if you are literally never seeing a team member face-to-face and in person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's definitely been a strange time for businesses because now they're able to hire outside of their kind of immediate area, which means a much larger talent pool. But then on the opposite end, you have the challenge of bringing employees together and then now potentially dealing with employees moving to different parts of the country or moving abroad entirely. Yeah, I think it's a very good point about uh, an employer's ability to penetrate different job markets because mm-hmm. you know ourselves here in uh, you know my my organization has a head office in Manchester and you know it's br- we have embraced home working as well and it's brilliant mm-hmm. to be able to source HR professionals from everywhere in the UK mm-hmm. you know not having to be based in Manchester it's, it's a real positive mm-hmm. but of course you know we have to very very um, carefully consider how we ensure those individuals are kept as part of the team yeah. So we will have social events where we'll pay for overnight stays. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to bring people together regardless of where they are based. But it's, it is a very good plus point for many businesses from a recruitment perspective, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would agree with you there, Kate. Um, so to move on to the second story, yeah. um, it's kind of tied into what we were just talking about. But recently, key members of the government's Flexible Working Task Force stated that flexible working should be offered to all employees and um, this should happen to to avoid the creation of a two-tier workforce. So within this research found that only a, mini- a minority of employers, I think 30% according to the CIPD, are looking to introduce new types of flexible working over the next year. However, the task force is advocating for this to be the default and for businesses to introduce flexible options when advertising for roles. So I think Peter Cheese, who is the chief executive of the CIPD and co-chair of the task force, even suggested that employers should be made to publish data regarding flexible working. So quite similarly to gender pay gap data being published each year. So Kate, what what is the best practice for employers to handle remote working requests moving forward? If you have any comments on the HR and Review podcast, would like to suggest a topic or speaker, or provide other feedback, you can contact us using the email podcast at hrreview.co.uk. We look forward to hearing from you. I, I appreciate the, the the task force, and I appreciate the the, the differing opinions on embracing flexible working. And again, mm-hmm. I, I apologise for keep saying it, but that is very context organisation specific. Mm-hmm. What I would say is, looking at the here and now, there is already a, a statutory process in place for individuals to request flexible working, home working falling under the definition of such. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have twenty six weeks service with an organisation, yeah. um, you can put in a request for flexible 
working mm-hmm. now the, 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 clearly there are parameters within that because of the length of service and you can only make one request every 12 months if you do qualify mm-hmm. some businesses because of their industry because of the controls they want in place will absolutely maintain that stance. They will stick to the statutory process, the statutory right for individuals. Mm-hmm. However, that isn't to say that, that organisations can choose, can't choose to go broader and mm-hmm. wider and implement that day one right, as, as right. suggested and, and referenced, or, you know, be even go one step further, put in an advert, the mm-hmm. flexibility that you could um, be given should you apply for that job. It mm-hmm. could be really beneficial for attraction of candidates. It could be yeah. really beneficial for motivation. Um, but again, it really does depend on businesses and, and what they want to achieve and where they're at in the business mm-hmm. life cycle and the maturity of that organisation, what they do. So mm-hmm. it is specific to to the facts, I would say, Monica. Mm-hmm. I think it was interesting as well because um, recently the government said that they were considering um, scrapping, you know, that period of time before yes. you're allowed to put in another um, remote working request. Well, what do you think of that, Kate? Yeah, I, personally, do I think that will happen? I, I would say so. I don't mm-hmm. think it will be imminently, but I think in the next few years that will happen. Mm-hmm. I think you can feel, I mean, even in different demographics in an organisation, you can feel a different thrust or desire to embrace flexible working you know certainly a lot of the 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 younger demographics in organizations they see that as part and parcel of a role work-life balance is so Mm -hmm. key to everyday life so yeah I mean it's been mentioned I've read many an article on it in the CIPD Mm -hmm. um articles themselves Mm -hmm. um and do I think it will happen? Probably, yes, because you can feel that the way, the world of work is is leaning towards that, mm-hmm. and it's what people want. But yeah. I could I could be proven wrong, Monica. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I think <clears throat> time will tell with that one, but it will be definitely a big change for employers to handle if that does come into play. Yes, definitely um, so. So I think again, what we were just talking about ties in quite closely to diversity and inclusion. All companies kind of want to believe that they're championing and creating a kind of culture which is inclusive and, you know, fair for all. But research over the past year has actually shown that a fifth of people with disabilities have had their working from home requests denied during the pandemic. And over seven in 10 mothers had their fellow requests um, denied at the start of this year. So I think this poses a key question, Kate. How can companies ensure that they're offering the same flexibility for, you know, employees operating under different work models or that just generally have different life circumstances? Yeah, I think this kind of ties into what we were discussing before, Monica, on how you manage different work models, different areas of the organisation and so Mm -hmm. forth. The important thing I would probably say is, you know, compare a a person that's returned to the office uh, as opposed to someone that's had a flexible working arrangement, arrange maybe part-time hours, home working because of childcare arrangements. Mm -hmm. If they're doing the same role, the only difference in those two individuals will be their place of work. All the other terms and conditions should be the same. Mm -hmm. So what I would say is the thing that you have to navigate is how you ensure that those are treated consistently, Mm -hmm. fairly, reasonably. And a lot of it reverts back to what we were discussing, Monica, in terms of the comms, inclusivity. How -hmm. do you ensure the individual working at home is brought into training, Mm -hmm. feels part of the team? 
And again, a lot of it comes back to comms, a good, strong leader who is able to apply different techniques and approaches um, to those two individuals so they feel the same. Mm -hmm. A a lot of it is comms. Right. Because I think you have to constantly be reviewing policies and making sure that everything is fair and consistent and trying to navigate around potential like location issues or flexibility issues for for sure I mean even in terms of there may well be technology issues for the individual work let's say I'm trying to think of a a practical example if there was technology issues meaning that their productivity on a certain day was lesser and then they didn't get a pay rise because of that compared Mm -hmm. to the individual in the office Mm -hmm. you know you'd have to you have to make exceptions you have to change your approach you have to think about the differences in the way of work that could influence uh, an individual unfairly and put them at a detriment through no control of their own and you have to mm-hmm. overcome that so it's a very different way of thinking as a manager um not one size will fit all and they have to be agile and adaptable and and, and think on the feet really because you've not got a team just sat in front of you who mm-hmm. you can shout out to and and give instruction to and work with you've got to think differently and some Mm. managers will struggle with that right because it's so different to anything that they've ever experienced before I suppose it's so different and I think you know we um use the the term in our management team a lot of emotional intelligence Mm -hmm. I think you're tapping into a completely different skill set where Mm -hmm. you're you know, you're having to gauge how a person feels when they're not sat in front of you. And yeah. it, it's a different, it's just a different way of working, which I think a lot of managers will need specific training around right. because it's just not part of their norm, normal mm-hmm. way of thinking. Yeah, I definitely agree because it's one thing to kind of manage employees that are sitting in front of you, but then an entirely different experience trying to gauge how an employee feels when you like don't see them in person anymore why not subscribe to the premium version of hr and review you'll get ad free content early and extra episodes and more even better although it's the premium edition it's absolutely free sign up at hrreview.co.uk/podcast without a doubt you know literally if you're on a, a video call uh, zoom or teams you, you're seeing shoulders to head you're mm-hmm. not seeing is the foot tapping the the hands yeah. You know, are they, are they shaking? Do they look nervous? You know, what are they doing when they come off that video? Mm-hmm. All those subtle indications to gauge how an individual feels, mm-hmm. you've just lost. So yeah. it's really important you find ways and means of overcoming that. And, and you mm-hmm. know, I, I do think regular face-to-face contact, personally, I don't think you can be anything more than that. And, and building mm-hmm. that into your management processes where you have a check-in in person. Right. Finally, Kate, I had one last question for you, which kind of ties into the challenges that we were talking about. What are the key and immediate logistical challenges that HR will have to face when businesses open up next month? Okay. Well, fingers crossed first (laughs) that businesses are open next month. We will find out soon. But Mm. I think that the the first thing is don't wait until the 21st of June, if that that ends up being the date, to communicate Mm -hmm. and explain your stance to your staff. Mm-hmm. I think what you should be doing here and now at the end of May is mm-hmm. is explaining to the to your staff your stance on homeworking, how you're going to navigate that, the reasons mm-hmm. why, and and giving that real inroad and headway into the opening up. Should it be on the 21st of June, and then it allows you between now and then to obviously communicate the stance, 
but have those one-to-one conversations with any reluctant parties who feel concerned or worried for whatever reason that may be. And each Mm -hmm. individual may have a different reason. You can have those individual discussions between now and then. You can try and iron out any concerns, use any reassurance techniques to aid a return to work or a home working position, should that be mm-hmm. the case, and, and stress what COVID secure measures you've put in place, yeah. show videos. You've got time then. I think the key thing is 21st of June will come extraordinarily quickly. Mm-hmm. Act now, think now, communicate now, and and address any concerns with your team between now and then Mm -hmm. fantastic well thank you so much Kate for joining me on the show today and sharing your expertise I think that this episode has answered loads of pressing questions that employers and HR have about moving forward into the kind of murky post-pandemic working world um As I mentioned earlier, Kate Palmer does work at Peninsula, which is a HR consultancy and can be reached there. Thanks again, Kate. Pleasure. Um, Thank you, Monica. No worries. So if you enjoyed this, we also do have webinars on Inside HR, which will delve into similar topics. Our next webinar is on Thursday, the 10th of June, which is about how businesses can build a sustainable diversity and inclusion talent strategy. We also have one on the week after the 17th of June, which is about how to rebuild trust in the recruitment process. As always, if you're interested in learning more about the future work or any other topic linked to HR, head over to our website, hrreview.co.uk. Thanks once again to Kate for joining us and our audience for listening. We hope to see you again in two weeks time where we will be continuing the discussion on the most relevant HR topics. See you then. The HR and Review podcast is brought to you by hrreview.co.uk. hrreview.co.uk is a website dedicated to human resources and related professionals. News items are posted daily together with analysis looking in depth at topical HR issues. You can sign up for our range of specialist newsletters at hrreview.co.uk slash sign up and follow us on Twitter at HR Review or join us on LinkedIn and Facebook. Thank you for listening.